Thank you, David. There were three friends, a doctor, lawyer, preacher, decided to go deer hunting together. And as they were out there in the woods waiting for a deer to come along, suddenly a, a big buck deer stepped out of the woods and all three were so excited they shot it once and the deer dropped and fell. And they ran up to see just how big this deer was. But they couldn't determine which one of them had actually killed the deer. And so they were arguing over it and debating over it when the game warden came along, knew all of them, and said, guys, what's going on? What's wrong? And the doctor said, well, we, we shot this deer, but we can't tell which one of us actually killed the deer. And the game warden looked and he said, well, it's easy. The preacher killed the deer. And they said, well, how do you know that? He said, because the bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> like a lot of sermons do. <laughs> but the Bible warns against hearing the Word without practicing the Word. But it says that those who do both, hear and practice, are blessed. If the word comes in your direction, don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Stop it somewhere in the midst and do what it says. We're looking this morning at James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, where we see that very thing spoken of. So, as I prepare to read these verses for us, if you're able and willing, I would invite you to stand with me for the reading of the Scripture. <clears throat> the Bible says, beginning in verse 22, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Thank you. Please be seated. <clears throat> Now here the Bible tells us, do not merely listen, or the Greek word is only. Don't, don't only listen. Now, it doesn't say not to listen. Listening is good. Don't mistake that. Listening is a good thing. We are to do it. We ought to do it. You have to hear in order to be able to practice, to put into play the things that you do hear. So the fact that you are here this morning hearing and listening gives you an advantage over those who are not. It is good to listen, but it isn't enough to listen only or merely listen. The commentators on this passage say that the Greek word that's translated as listen or hear in these verses is uh, an ancient word from which the word auditor comes. It's related to something auditory. Uh, auditorium, audiologist is a hearing doctor. Uh, you can see the connection there. And 
if you've ever been a student in school, you know that there are sometimes auditors who take classes, but they audit, which means they go to class and they listen to the lectures and those sorts of things, but they don't do the assignments or take the tests or get a grade at the end. They're auditing the class. Do you think we have any auditors when it comes to the Word of God? Those who listen here, but don't put into practice, don't engage. People who might say, I want to audit church. I don't want to get involved, but I want to audit. Maybe we even have some here. They come in, they, they don't sing the songs, they just audit, and then they audit the sermon. They hear it. It was interesting. It was likable. It was nice. We feel religious for a while, but then they're gone. It goes in one ear and out the other. They don't put it into practice. There's no change in their lives. They sit and they listen, but they don't want any commitment to do the work. They're auditors. That's what James is talking about here. Those who listen only. Hearing the Word is a means to an end. And that end is obedience and the blessings that go along with it. That can only be found in obedience. If you hear but don't obey, the Bible says you have deceived yourself. You have deceived yourself. Now, there are people who think that's not possible. How does somebody deceive himself? But it's really a lot easier than you may think. We just don't recognize it. Carol Travis and Elliot Aronson, in their book entitled Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me, they say... When researchers ask husbands and wives what percentage of the housework they do, the wives say, are you kidding? I do almost everything, at least 90%. And then the husbands say, I do a lot, about 40%. Although the specific numbers differ from couple to couple, the total always exceeds 100% by a wide margin. Now it's tempting to conclude, they say, that one spouse is lying, but it's more likely that each is remembering in a way that enhances his or her own contributions. We deceive ourselves. We do that anytime we listen but don't engage. If we don't put into practice, if we don't do what the Bible says, we're deceiving ourselves. We are remembering things the way we want to remember them, rather than the way they really are. At the end of verse 22, the NIV gets down to business. It says, do what it says. Don't merely listen to the Word and deceive yourself, but rather do what it says. Now that's pretty direct, pretty straightforward, isn't it? It's an imperative command. Do what it says. But the NIV takes a noun from the Greek text, doers, be doers of the word, and turns it instead into an imperative verb. But literally the Greek says what it really reads in the King James Version, if you remember, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Doers of the word. Now that's 
one of James's favorite words. He uses it four out of the six times that it shows up in the whole New Testament. And one of the other times is used by Paul in Romans where he says basically what James is saying here. Do, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now why does James use that noun form, doers, rather than just saying what the NIV has translated, do what it says? Well, I think there's a reason for it. I think that doers is the better translation for reasons other than the fact that's what it literally says. Because the word doer characterizes somebody's life better than just saying someone does something. For example, I could teach a third grader how to multiply, but I'm not a teacher. It's one thing to teach someone something, it's something else to be a teacher. Someone who does that as a, as a vocation, as a calling in life, as their service. I could build a doghouse, maybe, that a dog might go in and live in, maybe. But that doesn't make me a builder, does it? You see the difference? A builder is one who builds as a habit of life, a doer of whatever it is that the activity may be. And so to be a doer of the Word is to have your life characterized by obedience to the Word of God, by doing the things that it teaches. It is your habit of life. It is good to do what it says, but it is even better to be a doer of the Word. And James goes on in the next three verses to illustrate the difference between those who hear only and those who both hear and practice. There is a difference and a different outcome in their lives. Jesus made the same point. James is just repeating a lesson that he learned from Jesus himself. If we go back to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6, for example, Jesus says basically the same thing using a bit of a different illustration. Jesus asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Jesus used the example of wise and foolish builders. The, the wise builder is the one who hears his words and puts them into practice, builds his life upon it. But the foolish builder is the one who hears but doesn't do, and his house falls. James, instead of talking about builders, compares instead the one who hears but doesn't do to a person looking at himself in the mirror, but who then forgets what he looks like. Or if you put it another way, it would be like not recognizing yourself in a mirror. Looking into a mirror at your reflection, 
but not recognizing yourself. Andrus Tomas is the name that officials gave a certain man decades ago in a Russian psychiatric hospital. This man had been drafted into the army, but the authorities had mistaken his native Hungarian language for the gibberish of a lunatic. And so they institutionalized him. They put him into an asylum. And then they forgot about him. For 53 years they forgot about him. Eventually a psychiatrist at the hospital began to realize what had happened and helped Mr. Tomas to recover the memories of who he was and where he had come from. And ultimately he was able to return to his home in Budapest and was received as a war hero. The last prisoner of World War II, they called him. But not only had this man forgotten his real name, he hadn't seen his own face in five decades. He was kept, as you might imagine, in a rather austere environment in a Russian psychiatric institution where no mirrors existed apparently, and he had never seen a reflection of himself for 50 years. So according to one news account, for hours the old man studies the face in the mirror, the deep-set eyes, the gray stubble on the chin, the furrows of the brow. It's his face, but it is a startling revelation. Imagine looking at your own face in a mirror and not recognizing it, seeing there a stranger that you don't recognize or know. Well, James is essentially saying that's just what people are doing who hear the Word but then don't practice it. They forget it as quickly as someone might forget how they look in a mirror. There right before their eyes is the mirror of the Scripture. It's an actuate, actu uh, accurate reflection of who they are, but they don't recognize themselves. That happens quite frequently in our day and time. People look into the Scripture, they don't see themselves there. They see others perhaps, but when they hear and don't put into practice what they hear, what they read, they don't recognize themselves. And yet, the mirror of the Word always tells the truth. Like that magic mirror that the evil queen had that she would ask every day, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror, of course, would tell her that she was until that day that Snow White exceeded her fairness, if you will, and the mirror was, was truthful and told the evil queen. Well, that's just like the truthfulness of the Scripture. As we look into the mirror of the Word of God, we see an accurate reflection of ourselves. We may not like it. We may not want to believe it, but it, because it tells us that we're sinners, that we need a Savior, that we can't save ourselves, that we're dependent on the grace of God, that we must repent and turn away from our sins and turn to Christ to be saved. And once we do, that we're to put into practice the things that Christ teaches us about loving one another, about caring for one another, about kindness and compassion 
and ministry and service. We may not like to see that. We may not want to see that. We want to think we're okay just as we are. But the mirror of the Word tells us the truth. Verse 25 says, The wise person studies it. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. This word, to look intently, is a, is a different word from the one used back in verses 23 and 24 about looking in the mirror. It means to bend over, to look, or to look into something by stooping down, to study, like, like Sherlock Holmes in his magnifying glass, taking a closer look, studying something, to look intently into the Word of God. And might this stooping also imply humility. Back up in verse 21, the verse before where we started reading, it says, to humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you humbly. What is the attitude with which you hear the word? Is it a judgment? Are you waiting to determine whether what you hear is right or wrong, whether you will accept it or not? Or is there humility there? There's a lot of arrogance among hearers of the Word these days. Not a lot of respect for the Word. Or for those who have dedicated their lives to the study and proclamation of the Word. Maybe that's why there are so many more hearers than there are doers. Because if you can find fault with the messenger, it's a whole lot easier to find fault with the message. But God's message, thank the Lord, transcends His messengers. We are those who have these treasures in clay pots, as the Apostle Paul says, flawed, failing. And yet the message of the Word is true and accurate. Do you hear it with humility? Do you come on Sunday asking God to speak to you, to pull back the curtain of your self-deception that we are all prone to and show you what you really look like, warts and all, so that you can do something about it? Or do you come saying, boy, I hope the service doesn't go too long today because I don't want to miss the kickoff. I hope the preacher is engaging. I hope he tells an interesting story or two because I just can't seem to stay focused if all he does is explain Bible verses for half an hour. Which one of those is closer to your attitude as you come to hear the Word? The answer is going to tell you if you're just a hearer of the Word or if you are a doer of the Word. A doer of the Word, as verse 25 says, is one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Now that may seem like a paradox. A law that gives freedom? Uh, laws don't give us freedom, do they? they? They restrict our freedoms. They keep us from doing whatever we want to do. That's a law, isn't it? Ah, but you see, this is God's perfect law. The law that actually facilitates freedom, if you will. It outlines the boundaries of the freedom that keeps us from being enslaved to sin. 
everyone who determines that they're going to do whatever they want as a lawless person eventually, ultimately, inevitably winds up enslaved to their sin. But the perfect law, if we hear it, if we apply it, if we practice it in our lives, we're set free. We are at liberty. We are no longer in bondage. It draws the line for us beyond, beyond which freedom becomes bondage. And by studying the Word, we learn how to live in freedom. The one who is wise, the Bible says, continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, doing it. And that, the doing, is where blessing comes from. The blessing is in the doing, not in the hearing. He will be blessed in what he does, the Scripture says. Are you doing it? Are you practicing it? Or are you just hearing it? Deceiving yourself into thinking that you're practicing. The late Christian author and speaker Tim Keller, the founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, very well-known uh, proclaimer of the word who passed away earlier this year, he said that his brother-in-law would never wear his seatbelt in the car, and Keller would always nag him about it and berate him for not wearing his seatbelt in the car. But then one day his brother-in-law picked Keller up from the airport and lo and behold he was wearing his seatbelt. And Keller asked him, what happened? What changed you? Why are you wearing your seatbelt? And his brother-in-law said, well I went to visit a friend of mine in the hospital who was in a car accident and went through the windshield. He had two or three hundred stitches in his face and I said to myself, I better wear my seatbelt. And Keller said, well, didn't you know that if you don't wear your seatbelt, you go through the windshield if you have an accident? And his brother-in-law said, of course I knew it. When I went to the hospital to see my friend, I didn't get any new information, but the information I had became new. The information got real to my heart and finally sank down and affected the way I live. That's... that's when hearing the Word takes root and, and bears fruit in changing the way we live. That's what James is talking about here. To be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer. Now most of you here today haven't received any new information from me. If you've spent any time in church at all, you've heard this. You know about this. It's not new. But I hope the information has somehow become new to you today. I hope that it's going to affect the way you live, to change the way you start each day, the way you navigate through the day, the way you end each day. Reflecting on the, the true Word of God, the perfect law that guides us as we live, so that you become a doer of the Word as a habit of life, not just a hearer only. Because even more than wearing a seatbelt, your life depends on it. So be doers of the Word, not hearers only. And then, only then, will you be blessed in what you do. Let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you for your word, for your Holy Spirit that inspired the faithful believers of the past to record it and pass it down to us that we might have it and hold it in our hands. And Father, I pray that as we read it and as we listen to it read and proclaimed, that we would not be hearers only, but doers of the word. That we would recognize the truth of what it teaches us, that we are indeed sinners, every one of us. That we need the Savior you've provided for us, Jesus Christ. That we would turn away from the sin that enslaves us and instead come into the light of life and freedom and liberty in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, we would take to heart the things that we are taught in your word about loving others, caring for others, ministering to others. God, may we find ourselves at the end of our journey having practiced your word, having been faithful servants that have served you and your kingdom well that we might reap all of the blessings and the rewards that you have in store for us. God, make it so in our lives, in our hearts this day. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a...